Thanks for joining us today on the Jesus Famous Podcast. Hey, most of us go through life thinking about one big question. What is the point of all of this? What is the purpose that I'm to fulfill while I'm here on earth? And as we're looking for the answer to that question, oftentimes we look to relationships or to a school degree or to a job title. But when we look at scripture, uh, we see that God has actually given us a great point to life, a great purpose, and that is to become more like his son, Jesus. And so today, Pastor Nate's going to kind of talk us through what does that look like to become more like Jesus, and how is God working our lives to accomplish this mission? Nate, what is the meaning of life? Oh, man. Do you got a minute? <laughs> we got about like 20 minutes. You want to just riff on it for a little bit? <laughs> yeah, I knew I knew when I when I used this title for this article, I thought, that's a good one. You know, that's one of those one of those titles like, oh wow, the point of Ooh. life. I gotta I gotta check that words. out. Let you know, I gotta, it. yeah, so quickly I can figure out the point of life. Oh man. But yeah, I mean, according to Romans 8, 28 to 30, and so much of the New Testament. For the Christian, the point of life is glorification. Yeah. And so we want, right now, we can't experience glorification, so we want to experience sanctification. Mm. Really, the point of life is to become as like Jesus Christ as we can possibly become. Amen, man. Yeah. Well, that's it. You just nailed it. Becoming more like Jesus, the point of life. And uh, Nate, this article... um, when you wrote it, I know you didn't really write this out of just your own personal reading, but you actually heard a sermon that inspired you to write mm-hmm. this. Um, maybe you can tell us who inspired you to write this and what were they talking about in this sermon that sure. you heard? Yeah, I've been doing this a little bit lately. Just if I listen to a message, I really like it, and I'm tracking with the points of the message, um, I'll you know sometimes you know attribute and then write about those points that the person made and this one came from Romans 8 28 to 30 a teaching right. on those very famous verses that my dad gave at one of our Tuesday night Bible studies this last summer and uh, really the it was a it was a cool teaching because you know it was my dad so he's a great teacher mm-hmm. uh, but it was also cool because he did this thing where he decided to teach uh, the text backwards. And huh. the reason that he did that is because Romans eight twenty eight is so well known, you know, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times, I think as a Bible teacher, and this is probably why he did this, you come, you, you have this understanding that people get hung on that verse and they have a hard time with it because when it says that God will work all things together for good, they are the ones defining what the good is. Yeah, yeah. And once we start defining what the good is, it is hard to imagine how Mm -hmm. that verse actually comes to pass in the life of a believer. Because if usually our definition of good is like, you know, if I'm if I'm engaged and 
my fiance breaks off the engagement, well, God's going to work it for good and there's going to be a better right. fiance out there someday, you know, yeah. or I had a house and it got foreclosed on, but God's going to work it together for good because there's a better house for me to live in. But, you know, and sometimes that is what happens, yeah, right? but sometimes it's not. <laughs> yeah. So when we, when we import our definitions of what the good is, mm-hmm. it's just tough. So at the end of the passage, the good from God's vantage point is clarified. Mm-hmm. And it's that we have been predestined and called to be justified and then eventually be glorified. And in the meantime, in between our justification and glorification, he has, listened to this, predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son. Right. So that is the good that mm-hmm. God is trying to produce through the all things in life. He's trying to bring us into conformity to the image of his son. So that's why Ooh. I said it that way earlier, you know, that the point of life is to become more like Jesus right, right. than before. Uh, we we want to be conformed to the image of his son. So, so my dad, you know, did that. He kind of shared that point, you know, the goal of life is to become like mm-hmm. Jesus. And then uh, he shared the beautiful promise that um, f- as Christians, we will become like Jesus. Yeah. That's where the word glorification comes in. You know, we will eventually experience that glorification. Then he did a little part where he talked about, so what's Jesus like? You know, if, if yeah. we're to be conformed into his image, then what is he like? What is God trying to produce in our lives? And then he finally doubled back at the very end of his teaching to the Romans 8.28 principle about God using all things together for good in the lives of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. He went back to that to show that God uses the circumstances of life for mm-hmm. believers to make us like Jesus. Man. That that's the good. He's making us like Christ. So that was the teaching. I just <laughs> thought it was a great way of explaining it. I've always felt that way about Romans 8, 28 yeah. to 30. Um, I've, I've never really felt that the, you know, the statements about predestination and calling, uh, that they had even really much if anything to do with the salvation transaction and election and all Mm -hmm. of that in the context it seems to be that we are predestined if you're a believer you are Mm -hmm. predestined to become like christ so his desire and will for you today is to be conformed into his image so uh, I just really agreed with the teaching. I loved the teaching, and you know, I just kind of captured those four points, or I think it was three points as he was teaching, and I yeah. think I added a fourth or something. But <laughs> um, you know, thought it was worth throwing out on a random Monday or Wednesday or whenever it went out on the on the website. Oh yeah, it was rad, man. I mean, it was a great Bible study, obviously, and your thoughts about it were. Um really cool i know the way you take notes you take notes so ferociously it's just like you could teach the bible study right afterwards that's what i try to do yeah so it's cool to see your notes about it um i know there's a lot there um maybe talk for a moment just about this idea of becoming more like jesus i think that for me some of us myself included i've always just thought like becoming more like jesus is like all right 
become more righteous, become less sinful, you know? It's kind of more like a behavioral kind of thing, like just be like a better person. Yeah. But can you kind of talk to us about um, what does it really mean to become more like Jesus? Yeah, I mean, my line lately as my hair's been growing out and everything and my beard <laughs> and all that is that I love I love Jesus so much I want to look like him. <laughs> Not just behaviorally, but like exactly, just exactly. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that was one of the questions that my dad talked about in his teaching. You know, he said, "What is Jesus like?" And it was interesting because I I was kind of wondering, "Where's he going to go with that?" Because you know, what are you going to do? What is Jesus like? Well, let me teach you math, Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, real quick. Um, (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot there. You know what what Jesus is like, but he summed it up, and I loved this from from the John one passage about when, you know, Moses came with the law, but Jesus came with grace and truth. Mm-hmm. So he kind of just highlighted like the, the two sides of Christ, you know, there's mm. the truth that he declares, you know, the, the, uh, the reality that he introduces, you know, I mean, Jesus talked more about hell than any other biblical author. I mean, he, he really got into, this is what is real. My kingdom is real. You know, following me is right. And, uh, here's what God is trying to do in you. I mean, he came with truth, but then all this grace, you know, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. He ate with tax collectors and sinners. He invited anyone who was thirsty to come to him and drink. So there was this extreme, you know, I I did not come to, to judge, you know, that wasn't what his first coming was about. So, you know, he came with incredible grace. So I like that, you know, thinking about how can I be a person who is, you know, at max capacity in both of those areas of life, full Hmm. truth, full grace, full grace, full truth. So that might be one way, you know, to, to think about it. I think probably though, the temptation for a lot of us is to fixate on one thing that we like about Jesus and then to, to, uh, to say, yeah, that's what I want the Lord to do, you know, in me, I want him to make me, um, you know, really peaceful, you know, or I want him to make me a strong truth teller, or I want him to make me really good with children, you know, Mm. real gentle, or I want him to make me compassionate, or I want him to make me, you know, strong and courageous and powerful, or uh, I want him to make me sacrificial you know he went to the cross i want to be sacrificial like that uh i want him to make me um i don't know i'm kind of at a loss now so there's just so many different things but i think that's why the grace and truth concept is a good one to think about because it you can throw all of those things in one of those categories but you can't just fixate on one category and say that's all that I want to have. You kind of have to say, I want the whole package. I want to grow to be like Christ in all these different areas. I think it's also hard too, though, because, you know, if you're a computer programmer, you know, and you're going to work on Monday 
sitting down at your machine, it's sometimes tough to like think through, okay, you know, what would Jesus, how how am I supposed to be like Jesus as I'm computer programming? You know, what, what is that? What does that mean? You know, and, and uh, what is his nature going to do in me? So I, I think that's part of why it's so good for believers to be in the gospels, be mm-hmm. thinking about Jesus, reading all of scripture, um, and really setting their minds and their hearts upon, you know, what, what he is like. But the, the passage here isn't telling us like, you need to figure out what Jesus is like so that you can become like him. The passage is saying, because all of Romans 8, kind of the key like player mm-hmm. in Romans 8 is, so the key player of Romans 6, 7, and 8, key player in Romans 6 is Jesus. Right. You know, because when he died, when we believed in him, we died also. Hmm. And then when he rose, we also can ex- access newness of life. So the key player in Romans 6 is Jesus. The key player in Romans 7 is the flesh, our hmm. sinful flesh. And, you know, the failures and limitations of our yeah. own ability to, to transform ourselves, conform ourselves into the image of Christ. The key player in Romans 8 is the Spirit. Hmm. So the Holy Spirit is living inside of God's people. So even though the flesh is trying to bring us into carnality and sin and the opposite of conformity to Christ, the spirit is trying to produce Jesus's Mm. life in us, that newness of life. So the idea, because this Romans 8, 28 to 30 is kind of at the end of that whole argument. The idea then is that as I walk with the Lord, as I as I believe, as I reckon myself to be dead to sin, alive to God, as I surrender my body as an instrument of righteousness um, and not an instrument to unrighteousness, as I use my body parts in that kind of way, as I see the limitations of my own flesh mm-hmm. and do not trust myself for all this progress, but lean into my relationship with the Lord, as I do that, the spirit, the law of the spirit, the spirit who is like like gravity pulls me to the earth, the spirit is pulling me toward Christ's likeness, the spirit who's living inside of me, causing me to say, Abba, Father, and hunger and thirst for God, the spirit who is causing me to groan along with the cosmos for redemption of my own body and all flesh and all things, that same spirit, as we're walking with the Lord and all of that, he is just looking for ways to, as I'm going through life, take the stuff of my life and use it to produce Christ's likeness in me. So it really isn't so much like, hey, you got to figure out what Jesus is like so that you can become that way. Right. The spirit knows exactly what Jesus is like. Yeah. So it's the spirit producing that Christ-like character and nature inside of us. So it's it's kind of my parents used to use the phrase, or maybe it was their parents' generation that used the phrase, but to to live under the spout where the glory comes out. <laughs> you know, you just want to like walk like with the that. Lord, and then as stuff is going on in life, 
those will be his tools to shape you into Christ likeness. Wow. Yeah, it's not so much about just trying to be more like Christ. It's allowing me God's spirit to transform you from the inside yeah, out. Yeah, I mean if if it was just about trying to be more like Christ, then like the WWJD bracelet that I saw Alan oh, yeah. Iverson wearing back in the oh, day yeah. would have totally worked and he would have just been like Jesus because yeah. every time he had something to do, it would have just looked, oh yeah, oh okay, got it. <laughs> I know what to do now. But that just doesn't, you know, that only gets us so far. You know? Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. You actually just started to touch on this one thing I want to really ask you about. It was kind of about how God uses our lives and our circumstances and even like the hard situations in our lives to actually produce Christ-likeness in us, which is a really interesting concept, I feel like, because so often we experience hardship in our lives and we actually want to run away from Christ, it seems like. We want to run towards vices or whatever we think is best for ourselves. But there is this like really beautiful thing that happens where God wants to actually use those things for your growth. It's like this really trippy thing. So can you kind of talk about that? Like what is, like how does God use hardship and life to actually transform us into like the image of Christ? How does that all work? It's a deep mystery. Uh, that's a, it's a, I know, know it's a huge question it's is to ask on a mystery. podcast, but yeah, <laughs> Might be a heaven question. I mean, the the so what? Let's just look at the text again. First of all, I I always love to give a point of clarity on Romans eight twenty eight because it does say, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose, and sometimes Christians get hung up on those qualifying phrases you know like oh beautiful that god will work all things together for good but it's that only happens apparently the text says to those who love god and those who are called according to his purpose Mm. and so some people think like well maybe i'm not loving god enough Mm. or maybe i'm not called according to his purpose therefore this promise won't apply to me but by the time you get to this place in romans 8 like the people Paul is talking about, like they're in the safe zone. Yeah. And the best I can understand that verse is that what you have are two sides of the, of the same coin in Paul's mind. There are those who are called according to his purpose. Mm -hmm. And so they, of course they love the Lord and they love the Lord. So of course they're called according to his purpose. So it's not so much a statement of qualification, but just identity. Like these people exist. These are believers that are being described here. But he says, God, uh, for those who love God, all things work together for good. Um, So what he's doing is he's taking the all things of life. So what that what that doesn't mean is that he's taking the each thing of life, hmm. you know, each specific thing that happens to me is going to produce, but it's it's all things that happen to me. So it's like there's this collectiveness, you know, like yeah. a think of like a pharmacist or something working together different mixtures and medicines right. together in a concoction. That that's a little bit of what the spirit is. Uh, trying to do Um, the other thing to think about is in verse 26 and 27 right before these verses Paul talks about 
how the spirit is the one interceding for us, teaching us how to pray. He's interceding and praying for us or, you know, uh, you know, interceding. He has a will for us, a desire for us. So he is, as these different events unfold in my life, he has his aim on different character things he's trying to produce, Mm. different maturity levels he's trying to bring us to, different um, levels of faith that he wants us to have. So it's all very intentional, you know, by him. Yeah. But the reality is we don't really know how exactly that's happening. We just know that it happens as we're walking with the Lord. He is faithful to work all these things together for good in our lives. That's good, man. That's good. Just a wild wild thing to think about, but man, so I get excited thinking about meeting the Lord face to face and be able to ask him, like, how are you just like doing all this in my life? It's just fascinating to think about. God's at he's on the move, on the move. Uh Nate, to kind of close this out, maybe we could take a moment and talk to the person who they're a Christian, they want to become more like Jesus. They're just like, like kind of boil it down for me. Like, what, what do I do? Like, how do I just go about becoming more like Jesus? Do you have a thought about that? Like, what's like maybe one encouragement you give to somebody just like, here, do this in your journey, you know? Well, I mean, you know me, I'm always all about the encouragement of having a, a cornerstone part of your day where you and the Lord are together. Yeah. You know, where you open his word, you think about what he's saying to you from that word, what he's saying more importantly about himself for you in that word that you cast your care upon him. You know, I was, I was uh, talking to a, a young guy the other day and I think he was asking me about prayer, how to pray, something like that. Yeah, and uh, I just told him, you know, when I was in your stage of life and just getting going with my walk with the Lord, my theme statement for how to pray was from First Peter 5, where it says, cast all your care on him because he cares for you. I love that. Because, you know, I heard these people, you know, talking about all these like real masterful outlines for prayer and having prayer lists and different things like that. And I just thought, man, that's really overwhelming. I don't know how to do that. I don't know what to pray for. But I did know what I cared about. Yeah. And I did know what was overwhelming me, what I was worried about, what I was concerned with. And fortunately, over time, my heart expanded. Now that list is bigger and less self-focused, but you know, still has plenty of my own things that I'm going through in life attached to it. And I was just encouraging him, hey, you know, that's what you want to do. You want to get alone with the Lord and you want to cast these different cares, concerns, worries that you have, anxieties upon him. Talk to him about it. Um, so that would be my big thing you know like spend regular time with the lord read my article on how i design how i do my morning devotional time if that's a aid to you you know just shout out get get into you know a time with the lord but i think uh like a bigger thing like that i would say about all this is 
I think really ask yourself and, and, and ask, um, the Lord to help you see your own heart to find out, do, do I really ask yourself, do I really think that an increased Christ likeness is good? You have to ask yourself that. You alluded to that earlier in our discussion, just saying that, you know, hey, for some of us, we're just kind of cruising through life. That's the last thing yeah. on our minds. And to be clear, I don't think that an increased Christ-likeness means that you stop working your job or that you, you know, become odd or anything like that. Right. I don't think any of that stuff. But you have to really ask yourself, do you do you see that? as beautiful do you see that as valuable do you see that as good uh, because you know that's where the spirit is trying to take you so do you agree with the spirit do you think that he's spot on in the destination he wants to take take you to or will you begrudge him what he's trying to do in your life so i think the the more uh, deeply the more genuinely probably be a better word the more genuinely we can say, I think becoming like Christ is a is the best destination. The more genuinely we can say that, the more easily we can handle everything that life throws at us. If you'd like any more content from Pastor Nate, you can always find more resources at nateholdridge.com or calvary.com. And if you'd like to stay in touch just with what Pastor Nate is speaking about and writing about on a regular basis, you can go to nateholdridge.com and sign up for his newsletter there. Also, be on the lookout for Pastor Nate's new book called Let Us Hear. It's coming out soon and you can pre-order it today online. Thanks again for joining us today in this conversation. And until next time, God bless you.